Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. So, let me read the passage, and then we are going to jump right in, okay? It's short, three verses, but it's a powerful prayer that Paul gives. Let me, let me read it real quick before we jump in. Um, and I got this. Uh, and it is my prayer that your love, this is, this is Paul writing, okay? Philippians 1, verse 9 through 11. It is my prayer that, and the rest is the prayer, your love may abide may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That's Paul's prayer. It's a powerful and deep prayer. It's a short prayer. So we're going to look at it. As you know, we are in a series right now, a mini-week, two-week series on love, the power of love. We're not around the month of February, but I felt like it was fitting since it's right what Paul's talking about in chapter one. Two-week mini-sermon series on love. Let me give you a quick rundown of what this two-week series uh, has been and is. Last week, we looked at verses three through eight, talking about the power, the powerful bond of love that Christians have. And if you remember, we were talking about how um, this love that bonds you and I together is what, Paul, what, what led Paul to saying, every time I remember you guys, Every time I think of you, every time you pop up in my mind, I am filled with thanksgiving. I am overwhelmed with joy because of you. And, and, and so there's this powerful bond of love that Christians have. That was last week. And now this week, I want to talk about, in this prayer that Paul just gave, uh, that he's really challenging us, calling us. He's praying for Christians to have godly love. He says, I want you guys to experience the love that I have, this thankfulness, this joy that I have when I think about you. I want you guys to experience that as well. I want you to have godly joy because, how many of you guys know, love is essential for the Christian life. It's actually, to be honest, right, it's an oxymoron to say you are a Christian but don't know about love or you don't really comprehend love. It's an oxymoron because Christianity is built on the love that God has for us, and it's, and it's just pushing all the time the love that we should have for other people. There is love in every corner and every angle of the gospel, and so to be a Christian is to love and to rest in love and to trust in love, to believe in love, and so love is, is essential for the Christian. In fact, let me, let me show you some scriptures, okay, to show you how important love is that the Bible says how essential it is. Look at this. This is Jesus talking, okay? And he says, a new commandment I give you. I know you guys had 300 some in the Old Testament. I give you this one. Love one another. I want you guys to love one another just as I have loved you. So our love that I should show you and the love that you should show me is the standard that we look to and the, the example that we have that kind of directs our love for one another is the love that God has for us, that he shows us sacrificially in dying on the cross for us, the love that where he sees all the things we do that spit in his face, and he still says, I 
love you anyway. That kind of love is the example that we have. And he says, so this new commandment I give you, love one another just as I have loved you. Look at the way I love you and you love that way. You also are to love one another. This is so important to him. In fact, that he even says in the next verse, verse 35, by this, by this loving that you will be doing, by this all people will know that you are my disciples. This is the deciding factor, the, the defining element of our lives as Christians. This is, this is the noticeable attribute. When people are like, are you a Christian? They will know by what? Nothing else but love. Not only that we lo- should love one another, but he says in Luke records, uh, whenever somebody's like, hey, what's the most important commandment? What should we, you know, what, what's the big thing? What, what, put it in one nutshell, what should I do? What's important? Jesus answers him, Luke 10, 27, He says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he's saying, put it in a nutshell for me. And Jesus says, love. You can't be a Christian without love. It's an oxymoron. So love's essential, right? Here's the problem. You and I struggle with it, right? A lot of the times, you and I, we are Christians which are defined by love, noticed and, and, and called out by having love, yet, guys, if, if we're being honest, if you want to be honest with me tonight, I do believe that many of you guys are wrestling with hate and anger, genuine frustration, and I don't want to take away it being reasonable to be angry the situation you are, you very well could have a very good reason to feel genuine anger, frustration, dislike for somebody or a group of people. You might have a dislike for a group of people. Uh, more likely, actually, it might actually spill over to now being actually like a hate, uh, a genuine frustration towards other people. And yet, we call ourselves Christians. It's just sometimes we don't always have that defining attribute. We wrestle with the exact opposite of of love. We wrestle with having anger and frustration. It's just not what we live in. When we wake up in the morning, we have this deep in our souls and our spirits about a person or uh, a place that we're going to school or whatever. We have it and we live with it all day until we go to sleep. Then we wake up in the morning again and we never get rid of that. And God, right here, look at this. That's not what your life should look like as a Christian. If that's the norm for you, living day in and day out with anger, frustration, um, undealt with, anger, that is not what God wants for you. God wants this. He wants love to be abiding. And when Paul says, I, I pray for this, what does he pray for? For that your love would abound more and more, that it would well up, that all those other things would spill out and they would, they would leave because that is what makes a Christian a Christian. The problem is, though, we're the... Even though we're the specialists in love, right? Because Christians should be defined by love. Though we're the specialists, sometimes we don't always do well with it. Let me give you an example. I actually had a um, haircut uh, a few years back, and I went to one of those hair academies, um, and it was a hit and miss. And, uh, and I went to one, and I was sitting there, cheap haircut, on a budget, and um, sitting there, She's like going, it's a simple haircut, okay? I mean, I don't have much to work with in the first place, and so like, it's not a whole lot to mess up, or I guess maybe it's really noticeable if you do mess up. I don't know, but um, so 
it wasn't hard instructions. I think I said like maybe like a three or like a two on the side and like fade up to a, uh, a step up. I don't know. It wasn't crazy. And I just remember one time when I was just having a cut and I just hear her whisper. I don't think she intended for me to hear her. but She whispered like, okay, what do I do next? Okay. And I'm like, hmm, what? You need, you need help? She's like, no, 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 I'm okay. Okay, so I did that. And now I, and I'm like, uh, is there... Is there anyone that could help you with, you know, because I'm thinking, like, I don't want to walk out here looking like a fool um, because you didn't know what your next step was. And, um, and I don't just, I'm thinking, like, I, I want to say, like, you're the specialist in this. Like, you should know what you're doing. I know you're in training, but, like, you should at least have a foundational understanding of what this looks like, right? I mean, uh, it's an easy fade or, or whatever it is. Um, you're the specialist and you don't even know. I, but I think a lot of the times that's, that's us in our Christian walks. Like, we, 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 we're the specialists in love. We're the ones that are noticed, like, oh, this person is loving. They've got to be a Christian. At least we, that's what we'd like to think people would see and they'd attribute love with Christian. We're the specialists in love, but man, do we so much of the time harbor anger and frustration and everything that's the exact opposite of love. It's essential that we really do pursue and live in love. The verse leading up to uh, this uh, passage, verses 9 through 11, the verse leading up to it, to give you some context, Paul says, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you with all the affections of Christ. Paul says, guys, listen, I love you. I yearn so badly to be with you. It's not even an affection that's like Christ's. It is the affection of Christ in me. I have that much love to be with you, okay? So he's saying, there you go, there's your standard. I love you guys like that now, I pray, so this is his prayer. It is my prayer that, colon, what's your prayer, Paul? That your love may abound more and more. This is what he wants. This is what he wants for us and for them, that love would abound more and more. And so that's my desire for us, that we would grow in love, that we would be people of love, and that we would strip off everything that is in opposition to love being in our lives, that you would strip that off tonight, that you would be free from that tonight, that you would be a person that is consumed with, defined by love. Don't settle with anything less. Be a person that is filled with love in your heart, with people, and with God. Walk out of here with that, because that's what God offers. But not just you know, free, whatever, you don't really know how to define love, just a happy feeling. Uh, no, I, I'm talking about love as the Bible, as the scripture would define it, not as the world would define it, because we know there's a big difference, right? Love is not just this blind acceptance of things, like, um, like oh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to challenge you, like, you and me, we're good, what, you, oh, you believe that? Oh, yeah, that's totally cool. Like, a lot, the world would say love is just blind acceptance, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, you, uh, no differences, you know, if there is, no big deal, you know, we're, we're totally cool. That, that's, what, that's how the world would expect us to, to love. And if we aren't okay with what other people think, aren't okay with how other people are living, aren't okay with certain things happening, and we speak up about them, we, they would say that you aren't loving people, right? Well, that's just not true. Love isn't blind acceptance and, and just saying okay to everything. Love is not blind acceptance, they might think that, you might think, the world I know thinks that love is just affirming someone in everything that they do and making sure to tell them what they want to hear, just saying, like, yeah, yeah, I am totally cool with that. 
no big deal because I want to love you. I'm totally cool with what you're doing. That's what people say love must look like, but that's just, that's not it. Real love, biblical love, godly love, love that Paul is praying for here is a love that oftentimes looks like disagreeing with them in a loving manner. Disagreeing rather than just affirming blindly, speaking out against them in a loving way because you want to steer them to Christ. It's loving to disagree with a way of life that somebody has if you want to steer them to something better, to Christ. That is disagreeing and it is also loving them at the same exact time. Loving is not blind acceptance. Oftentimes real love looks like telling people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. That's what love looks like and that's the kind of love that we should grow in and abound in so if, if love is not a blind acceptance to people, just saying, sure, you can do whatever you want, I'm totally cool with that because I, I don't want to be someone that doesn't love you, do what you need to do, man. If love isn't that, what should love look like? What should it look like when love wells up in us and it abounds more and more, when love grows in you and I, what do our conversations look like with other people? What does that love become? What does it look like? Two things. Our love must be in line with what God says. Our love must be pointing people to the truth. Our love should be saying, look at what God has for your life. Because God has something so much greater than what you're doing. Love is pointing people to truth. Love must be in line with truth. Look at what Paul says. Look at what Paul says. He says, my prayer is this, that you, your love may abound more and more, that you would grow in love. And he says... Without a breath, he says, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. So he's saying, I want you to grow in a love for people, but don't let it be torn apart from knowing what God wants for their, for their life. Don't, don't let that be two different things. Let your love for them and your knowledge of what is right and wrong, approval of what is excellent, let your love for them and your knowledge of what is right or your discernment of what is right to be the same thing, not separated. It's so important to not separate love and, and, and truth and, and what's right for them to do. They should always be one and the same. Let me give you a few examples of when when we can do this, and if we mess this up, if we separate love and truth, what happens, okay? Love must be, get this, love must always be in line with, in conjunction with, unified with what God wants for our lives. If you try to love somebody outside of telling them what God wants for their life, if you hide that and you just try to love them, you have now distorted your love for them and you aren't loving them. It's a perverted love, it's a distorted love, and you aren't truly loving them. If you are wanting to just show them affection and acceptance, and you want nothing to do with, and you wanna hide, because this is awkward to talk about what God wants for them. You have to join what God wants for them and what God wants for you, and love for them. Let me give you a few examples and when we mess this up or when we don't do this, what it looks like. The first one is loving somebody when you disagree with them, okay? Loving somebody when you just aren't on the same page with two things. Biblical love, 
joining love and affection and care, genuine care for somebody, and joining that with what God has for their life looks like in that situation being honest about their sin, being honest about how they are maybe not walking towards Christ, being honest about that. Speak truth, but doing it gently and kind with kindness and care and genuine concern for their well-being, not beating them down. And I think that's what whenever we just have a love and, a, and, a, and, and no concern for truth, we would just say, yeah, no, you're totally good. Like, you can do that. Not a big deal. Our God is a God of love, right? He's totally cool with it. That's a love with having no regard for truth. They have to be joined together. That's what Paul's saying. He says, I want you to abound in your love with knowledge and discernment of all the uh, things that are excellent, what is good. Join those two together. Let me give you another example. Romantic relationships. Don't don't giggle now, okay? Romantic relationships. Um, Biblical love in romantic relationships would be having a genuine care for somebody, a genuine desire um, to have a relationship with them, a love, a concern, but then also joining with that, the biblical and the godly call for it to be between a man and a woman. That's joining love for people and a, a recognition of God's call for what's right and what's not right. It should be between a man and a woman. It should be um, in marriage, Right? That, that is joining love and truth together, what, what Paul's saying. I want your love to abound with a knowledge and a discernment of that so you may approve what is excellent. When we distort this, when we just want the love component and we, we want to not know what is excellent and not discern what is excellent, we just want the love, the feel-good stuff, then that leads to what? Leads to sinning outside of marriage because you just want the love. You don't want to care about what God has to say about marriage. It leads to homosexuality. You want the love, the, the, the care for another person, but you want nothing to do with what God has to say about who that should be, right? Paul is not just saying you should abound more and more in blind acceptance and a free-for-all happiness. That's not the abounding that Paul wants welled up in us. Paul wants a special kind of love. It's the real and true love, and it's the love that is unified with what God has for us. It's not just a feel-good Whatever goes, blind acceptance. So Paul is talking about it's a kind of love. Love is never separated from biblical truth. When it is, it is no longer love. Please hear that. It is not real love because God defines love. So whenever you have those affections, those cares outside of biblical definitions, it is a distorted definition of love. It is a perverted concept of love. Love must be in junction with, with truth. Even look at, if you guys remember, we actually went through the book of Second John, verse 1. John writes, from the elder to the elect lady, that's the church, the elect lady, and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. So if anyone knows the truth, they love the church, but how do they love the church? You guys catch that? They love the church in truth. It's not a love and also sometimes, you know, the, what's right and wrong. But no, the love is founded in what is right. That's, that's how our love should be. God wants us to grow and abound in a love, but it must be a biblical love. That's how it is. 
And look at this. If it leads to that, right, if we abound more in love with that is injunction with what God wants for our lives and what God wants for their lives, if that happens, it says, and so be pure and blameless. So love more and more with knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. So be, this is what it leads to, true biblical right love leads to being pure and blameless for the day of Christ. There will be a day when Christ meets us and judges us. And when we love, not just however we want to love, but as we love the way God wants us to love. Through that, through doing that, when God would come down and judge us one day, which he will, the day of Christ, we will be considered pure and blameless as we are trying to love the way God wants us to love. And he says, filled with the fruit of righteousness. This is how we will be on the day of Christ. Pure and blameless because we are filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. There's two possible options uh, for the day of Christ. And then I'm, I'm wrapping up here. Two possible options that will happen on the day of Christ for all of us. Okay, When Jesus comes and he will two options are going to happen. One, we will love people how we want to love them and not how the Bible says. We will have relationships of love that are not biblical and therefore our love will be impure and imperfect and not blameless or we will have a pure love that comes through the righteousness of Jesus and therefore be seen as pure and blameless. We're going to either love the way we want to love or we're going to love the way God wants us to love and that affects how we are seen on the day of Christ. Every day, Hear this, okay? I want to apply this to your life right now. Every day we have a choice if we will love. You have a choice on if you're going to love people. You make that choice. And sometimes we feel like it's just decided for us. There's no way I could actually love that person. You have a choice to love that person. Praise Jesus that he has a choice to love us and he chooses to love us. We have a choice to love, to forgive to walk out of here not with those chains of anger and bitterness wrapped around us. We can take those off and through Christ embrace forgiveness and love. We have a choice to love people. You have a choice to abound more and more in love. When someone wrongs you, when someone is living in sin around you, when you see them living a sinful lifestyle, you have a choice to love them. When someone disagrees with you and you disagree with them, You have the choice, a fork in the road, to decide if you are going to love them or not. Will we show them grace and mercy and acceptance, or will we build up walls? Will we shame them for what they believe or what they're doing? Will we lash back in anger when they wrong us? Will we hold grudges because they've wronged us? Will we make them feel dumb when they make mistakes? We have a choice. Are we going to abound more and more love in love as John 13 talks about? And will we be known for such a love? We have that choice to let that defining characteristic be a part of your life. I pray that you do decide to love and to let love be a deciding and, and, and noticeable element of your life. But you don't only have the choice today to, if you, whether or not you love or not. You have the choice of how you're going to love. What will your love look like? 
Are you going to love like Jesus when you fuse your love and your genuine desire to point people to what is right and true? Is that how you're going to love them? Or we can distort our love and ignore truth and give blind acceptance because that's less awkward, it's less confrontational, probably going to frustrate them less. It's probably the easier way to love people how we're going to love. Let me give you a very raw and honest, um, this is a real story. This happened Thursday, so six days ago. Uh, I was at the church, and it was very late at night, like 9.30 or 10 o'clock at night, uh, Thursday. And I left the door unlocked, not knowing I left the door unlocked, and a guy comes in, and he is um, just kind of, just out of his wits. He's really shaken up, worried. I get him a cup of water. We sit down. We start talking. And he tells me that he's, he's gay. And he goes on to try to convince me that uh, he's like, but you don't have to worry. I know you, you, know, you guys are at a church here, but you don't have to worry. Um, you, you can totally follow Jesus and, um, and still be gay. And that's okay. Jesus is okay with that. You, you, you should know. I mean, you're a pastor. I'm sure you already know that it's okay to be gay and a Christian because that's me. I had a fork in the road, right? There's a real scenario that's probably a real scenario in your schools. I had a fork in the road. Am I going to love him first, right? Am I going to love him? I can shun him or look down on him for his lifestyle. I can be grossed out and want nothing to do with him. Or I can love him, I can care for him, I can be gentle and kind with my words. I can decide how I'm going to love this man, or if I'm going to love him. And then, what is that love going to look like? If I choose to love him, if you choose to love him, I pray you would choose love, not disgust, not turning your back on, not lashing back, not making fun, pointing fun, making them feel dumb. I pray that you choose the route to abound more and more in love. And when you do, I pray that when you choose love, you choose biblical love. And not love that is easier and you just say, that's totally cool, man. Yeah, you do you. I don't want you to feel like I don't love you. Yeah, totally cool. I don't disagree with you. I pray that you choose the way to say, I love you and I care for you and because I care for you, let me point you in a way that is so much greater than the lifestyle you have because that is a distortion and it is not truly, truly the love, the deep love that God has for you. He has something so much greater. Whenever you choose love, I pray that you would choose love that is joined with truth and gentleness and kindness. So Paul says here, when we do that, we would be considered blameless and pure at the day of Christ because we have the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus. And when we have that kind of love, it is to the glory and praise of God. You guys remember going through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five sixteen. Let your light shine before men, so let your love be known before men so they may see your good works, your love for them, and what? Glorify God in heaven. When we love a biblical way and we're gentle and we're kind and saying, I love you and because of that I want to disagree with you and point you to Christ, I want to gently disagree with you, 
They will see your love and your gentleness, your kindness. They will see your light, and they will glorify God. They will say there's something special about this person. They know something so much greater than I know. They know a God that has defined love. They will glorify and praise God. It's to God's recognition that transforms us and gives us this kind of fruit of righteousness to love people like that. So I want you guys to think about this. Like I started this, I think many of you guys might be harboring anger, frustration, and if you're completely honest, you might not be living a life day in and day out that is filled with love. Maybe you would say, yeah, actually, I would say if I had a defining characteristic in my life, it's not love. It's not love. Maybe a love for truth more than a love for people. I, don't, I think those have to be together. You have to love people because you love truth and pointing them to truth. You have to love truth and with that love people. So maybe that comes off as judgmental and harsh, rude, inconsiderate. Maybe you wouldn't say that you have love in your, your life. I would challenge you and call you to abound more and more in love that you would choose to love people, that you would choose to be set free from any harbored anger and frustration that you have. Let the love of Jesus dwell in your life. It changes everything in your daily life. Don't only cho- choose love, though. Choose biblical love, love that is joined with truth, pointing people to God with your love. So we're going to spread out and, uh, and spend some time in prayer and thinking through this. So uh, if we could kill the lights. Um, this is the time, if you, if you don't really know what's happening here, that's okay. Don't freak out. You guys could just stand up and spread out throughout the room. Um, if you are new here, you can just follow suit with what everyone else is doing. Do whatever's comfortable for you. Honestly, you can stay in your seat. I just want you guys to get alone with God. There's going to be two songs going. And let me give you some guidance in what to pray for unless you know for certain what you really need to deal with God with. Let me give you some guidance if you're not sure. Okay? The next 10 minutes, these songs I think are 9 minutes, 22 seconds. Let me give you two questions to think about as you're praying during this. The first one is, would you say you are filled with love? Would you say you are defined by love? Would you say that your love is evident in your life? Think about that. Think about that right now. Would you say that love is evident in your life? Or would you say maybe your life is more filled with bitterness and frustration? Which one is probably more evident when you wake up in the morning? When you go to school, when you talk to friends, when you talk to people, when you talk to your parents? Which maybe surfaces quicker? If it's not love, I sympathize with you. I know what that feels like. I really struggle with that oftentimes short, impatient, frustrated. I want to, and I want you to, grow in the in love that Christ gives us, to abound more and more in that. And so if you would say love doesn't define your everyday life more than the alternative, I, w- I, would, I would encourage you to talk to a leader and pray with them. We have Jonathan right here. You can come talk to Jonathan. Pray with Jonathan about, about that. I want, I want love in my life. I want to experience love. I want love to take over my life as I go throughout my day. You can talk with Abby right back there. Got Sarah right back there. Got myself. Come find one of us. Pray. Second thing that I would have you consider 
is, is your love pure? Or are you taking love and distorting it to something else? Maybe you need to consider repentance if you're taking, regarding sexuality, sexual stuff, maybe you're taking love and you're taking it out of marriage, what God calls love, uh, sexual love to be within, and maybe you're distorting that love. You're taking it out of truth. Maybe you need to talk to a leader and just pray through that. Say, I want to love in a pure way. I want to embrace love the way God has it. I want to have love in my life, but the right way. I would encourage you to pray with a leader. Tonight, talk through that. Let the love of God settle in your hearts and transform your daily perspective. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at ecchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.